Hello. I'm terribly sorry, but I recorded this episode ages ago, and it's taken me ages to sort the editing out and get it uploaded, so abject apologies, some of the things you're going to hear about in this episode have already been and gone. Really, really, really sorry. Bad podcaster. No cookie. Please, enjoy the rest of the episode, but I am sorry if you think, oh, I really would have liked to have gone to that, and I've missed it. Sorry. Hello, you're listening to Yarns from the Plane, a podcast for knitters, crocheters, and anyone who loves to play with yarn. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Yarns from the Plane. How are you? After such a long wait to get episode 16, here I am with episode 17 hot on its heels. But, you know, it seemed like the time was right and, hey, I should be doing something else. So actually recording a podcast seems like a really good move. Um, I've been hectic. September is flown by. I can't quite believe today's the 26th. Um, well, I think I'm still somewhere stuck about May anyway. Um, just can't cope with this whole year going very fast business but uh, it's been very messy for me but not particularly on a knitting front obviously the start of term is a bit hectic but I have been to um, iKnit the iKnit weekender down in London on the 11th of September and it was the um, Spinners Guild meeting last Saturday so I've done a few um, nitty things and last Thursday um, I went to the trunk show run by Susan Crawford of just Call Me Ruby, um, the author of Stitch in Time and Vintage Gifts in It. That was at Fibro and Clay, and that was really, really interesting. She showed us some of the garments, some of the samples for the second Stitch in Time book. That was really interesting. Um, we got to try some of them on, take photographs, be silly, eat lots of cake, and that was lovely. And I got it wrong last week. It's not Thursday, uh, Tuesday and Thursday of last week just gone. Susan was there. It was Thursday of last week and Tuesday of next week. So if you are available at all and, and missed Thursday and you're available at all on Tuesday, she's doing the trunk show again at um, Five and Play. I think it's at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, not 11 the time of the normal knit group, but I, I might be wrong. It might be 11. But if you're at all available and you have a chance to go, I would recommend going because it was really, really interesting. Um, and she is a lovely lady. So I knit. Now, really interesting. Um, I'm not going to spend a, a great deal of time t- talking about it. I took my voice recorder, did get a little bit of audio, um, but then subsequently, like an idiot, while showing a colleague how to use my voice recorder and saying, please don't delete anything, um, when she'd asked to know how to delete something. And I said, well, I'll show you, but, it, you know, it's just easier not to delete something now in case you delete everything that's on there. I then promptly deleted everything that was on there, including some of the children's work and uh, the order I'd got for mine it. So, you know, <sighs> talk about an idiot, but never mind. Anyway, I went to um, the iNet weekend. It's only the second time I've gone. Um, for a number of reasons, I've missed out on the other two events, even though I had tickets for them. And I thought it was quieter than when I was there two years ago. Now, when I was there two years ago, the Yarn Harlot was there, and I suspect that may have been her first ever speaking gig in the UK. So it was absolutely heaving. And I don't know if it was because there wasn't a specific lecture like that this year, or whether it was the recession, or whether it was because there are now so many more 
knitting events, including Iron um, Knit Nation happening only six weeks before, that everyone had a bit of sort of knit show fatigue. But um, it was a lot, lot quieter than um, it had been when I was there last two years ago. And people, I was talking to some of the vendors who were there last year, and they they felt it was quieter this year um, than it had been. So um, I don't know, you know, sort of what that may have been you know caused by but like I say I, I felt there was a difference um but I was there for the Alice Starmore Celtic Knot workshop and it was really really interesting she showed us how to um plan and think about making complete loops which is what Celtic knots are they're cables but that are completely looped around there's no beginning or end to them and she talked a bit about her inspiration about it and then we began to knit on a swatch so I cracked the slightly tricky increase that I, that she puts in at the bottom of these um, enclosed cable loops that I, I've not been able to crack before, so that was really interesting. She had lots of sample garments with her, including one that was a last minute addition to her reprint of her Aran knitting, which happened this year. She reprinted it from the original, but added um, a delightful pattern, a garment that she actually originally designed for herself. Um, but is included. It's called. No, I hope my pronunciation is right here. It's called Ayla Van, or Ayla Van, um, or Ayla Van, possibly even. I'm sorry if I'm mangling the Gaelic. Um, Louise, if you know any Gaelic at all, please correct me. It's just exquisite. It's got um, panels of cables up the um, sleeves, down the centre back, and the centre front. Um, it's a button through cardigan or jacket um, with a v-neck type but with a gorgeous collar on it all of the shaping is within the cable panels so it flares beautifully over the hips it's just exquisite and it was just a delight to hold um, and to, to look at and to handle and to see the seaming she talked about how she blocked her work which was to block each piece put it on a towel on a carpeted area I think she put it on a towel on a carpet area. I don't think she put it directly on the carpet when it was damp. Uh, and then putting a, a damp towel over the top as well and then just letting it dry until the top towel was completely dry uh, and then everything would be dry, um, which might take a couple of days. But that was really interesting, talking about the, the blocking of things. She said that by doing that, you get the, the weight of the towel will um, flatten and smooth everything out, but it won't flatten the cables. Um, unduly so that was really fascinating um, I've got a photograph um, that she's very kindly said that I can put up on the show notes um, that shows her showing this garment with one of the, the course delegates um, and looking at some of the finer details on it it was really really interesting there I came downstairs and um, stayed in the marketplace um, picked up some swag like I say it's a good job that I've got a nice neighbour feeding me from his allotment I went to Easy Knits, one of my favourite vendors, but I didn't buy any really bright yarn um, this time. I bought um, a beautiful grey that fades through to white um, because it's so unlike John. I thought it was quite a rare beast, so I, I thought I would catch that. I also bought three patterns um, from there by Dutch Knitting Design. Um, she designs interesting shaped shawls. So I've got Althea, Nakoya and Alisum. They are all um, designed to be made with one skein of um, Easy Knits Skinny Semi-Solids. 
um, I think, I think Althea is designed for that as well, which is 400 uh, metres for 100 grams. Um, but it is obviously, it's for any fingering weight yarn, really, with a yardage of about 400 metres. It just, very nice, just, just lovely. Um, they, Dutch Knitting Design is Marlene van der Vost, who I met at Knit Camp. Um, so she's a lovely lady, and I, I really like she has. They're not always triangular her shawls, so that's quite interesting. Uh, you know me, I'm a sucker for a kit. So um, when I found Anne Kingstone, she was selling kits that she had made up of her own designs with yarn that she had dyed herself. Um, so I fell very heavily for a kit um, for the Lady of the Woods Wimple and mitts they are fine lace it's a cowl but because it flares out it does really look like a wimple if you put it over your head and some matching mitts in a kind of a leaf lace with beading in and she's even put the beads in the kit so fantastic um i found a new to me um yarn supplier called nimu n-i-m-u yarns of distinction all their yarns are named after places in Cumbria, so I was quite confident they came from the Lake District. But they assured me that actually, no, they didn't. They liked walking, but they actually came from Kent, and uh, the names of the Cumbrian towns sounded so much nicer than Dungeness. Which I thought, well, I, I can't really argue with that. Um, I can kind of see the logic. Um, so I've bought Sizer, which is 67% silk, 23% mohair, 10% nylon. And it's got a, an interesting wave to it, but I think that's because the silk and mohair is a single ply, and then it's pl uh, is a single, and then it's plied with um, a thin nylon thread. So I think that's what gives it that wave to it. Um, she's got a sample knitted up in her stall, and it looked really, really nice. So I kind of fell for that, and I bought some uh bought some books some alice starmore books um one of which i'm going to review later the fisherman's knit and the aaron knitting um and i got the fisherman's knit signed and then i went to um, i found pick perfect's fluff and stuff which is lots of beautiful beautiful hand dyed fiber um, so i bought 400 grams of her merino and trilobe on nylon i think it's called um twilight and it's just beautiful lots of shimmers and oh it's lovely so so I'm moving on to the sort of what's on my needles and wheel. Then uh, that's what's on my wheel at the moment. That the, the the twilight. It's just lovely. It spins like a dream. It's got shimmer and it's purples and greens. So what's not to love? It's just delightful. Um, I finished plying up the um, tweedy dyed grey merino that I'd got from John's workshop um, at Knit Camp. That still needs a soak. It's very twisty and. Um, overplied so it needs a good bath and then to be hung with a weight and I've just not got around to that yet which is utter laziness um, I'm sort of chugging through the stripy Noro bag uh, I'm on the flap um, but I haven't really done much knitting in the last sort of three to four weeks partly because I've uh, been busy with schoolwork and partly because I've been reading I'm sorry I'm pausing slightly because I'm just having a bit of amazing moment Stella has just jumped onto the table whilst I'm, I'm broadcasting and she's can you hear her purr don't know if you'll be able to catch that at all sorry that's so unusual um, she doesn't really kind of go in for human contact. Um, I'm guessing she must be quite hungry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's just completely floored me. Um, where was I? Oh, yes, not been doing much knitting. Um, so I've kind of chugged on a bit with my, my bag. And I've finished 
um, my spring socks, which were the ones that I cast on, um, you know, in the depths of winter and were designed, uh, you know, to be a quick knit. And uh, I finished them on August 31st. <clears throat> well, I suppose it's spring in the southern hemisphere, isn't it? Anyway, um, they're delightful. They're in Lorna's Laces Shepherd's Sock Multi in the Franklin Panopticon colourway. And I just absolutely love them. So that's it really, not much spinning, but that's because I've rediscovered the joys of reading fiction, um, and I'll mention that later on. So, reviews. Two for you today, basically because one of them's been hanging around for so long, and because I had the two Knit Camp episodes, I didn't do any reviews in them. So really, if I don't review it soon, the next one will be out. That's Rowan48. Now, if you listen to Electric Sheep, you'll have heard Katie, I think in episode 56, do a review of it. But I still thought that I would like to do a little bit of a review on it, because I, I thought there were some interesting things about it. Like many Rowan books, it's just exquisitely styled. The Nomad section is the first section, uh, and I'll read here. It says, Inspired by the remote and beautiful landscape of Holcombe Beach in Norfolk, Nomad is a collection of women's and men's knits in the key trend for chunky, exaggerated cable and stitch structures that create warmth and comfort, as well as fitting the body silhouette. Now, I have to say, it is big, chunky knits with big, chunky cables. And Erica Knight had some of the garments from this um, story with her at iKnit, uh, and she talked through some of them and had people from the audience come and try them on and let, let, then let the general members of the audience try them on later. Um, they are absolutely exquisite, and it's a lot of use of Cocoon and Felted Tweed Aran and Felted Tweed Chunky, and I fell in love with them all. But, you know, I've said it before, Chunky Girls and Chunky Knits are not necessarily a, a great combination. Um, add Chunky Cables in there as well. I'll leave it to your imagination, but it's it's... Some of these things are only going to look good on slender people. The example I'm thinking of is the Wanderer, which is a shrug, a sleeved shrug, so I suppose it could just be a cropped cardigan, um, that's made out of big wool. It's got big fat cables in it, and then um, a big moss stitch section in the middle between the two bands of cables, but without any decreasing by the look of it, so that forms a kind of a rippled, textured surface. If you've got no boobs, then that's going to give you boobs. But if you've got big boobs, oh boy, it's, it's lovely, it's, it's just wonderful, but it's just not going to suit anyone who could be remotely self-conscious about their boobs. I fell in love with um, Pilgrim, which is felted tweed chunky, which isn't like ordinary chunkies, like the felted, everything in the felted tweed range. It's not of the same thickness as um, what you would expect of a chunky yarn. Um, and it's delightful. Now, my complaint with Rowan again, um, with the photo stories, is that this jacket is shaped. It looks like the shaping is done between the two big stocking stitch ribs that come up to make a big thick cable up the front of the jacket. But there's no photograph of the back, so you have no idea if there's matching cabling up the back. From my memory of it, there is. And looking at the pattern, there is. But there's no photograph to show you what the back looks like, which, you know, could swing whether you're going to make this or not couldn't it and now i tried on the 36 now there's no way i have 36 in his chest um so it didn't fit but it wasn't far off so I, I you know i could probably make the middle size rather than need to make the largest size and it is just i loved it the whole movement of it the whole shape of it was incredibly flattering came over your hips and covered your widest part and just looked really really good but the size that I would need to make requires 23 balls of felted tweed chunky. 
I'll just say that again in case you didn't really grasp that. 23 balls of felted tweed chunky. Felted tweed chunky retails for £5.35. Now, I haven't even sat down to try and work out how much that's going to be because I just get palpitations just thinking about it. But even at £5 a ball, that would be £115, wouldn't it? You've got to really, really, really want to make and wear this jacket. You've got to be really sure that it's not going to look wrong on you or that the, the cables are going to be so clunky on it and big on it that it's going to add a lot of, of width to you. Um, if you're going to make that kind of investment for the yarn, um, Felted Tweed Chunky is a, is a glorious yarn. All of the Felted Tweed yarns are, are just beautiful. But that's a lot of yarn and a lot of money to invest in one garment. I bought the this I bought Rowan forty eight on the strength of that garment. Um, I'd totally missed it when I'd flicked through the the magazine earlier in the shop, um, and it was only when I saw the garment at Inet that I realised how nice it was. But it was when I then looked at it with a, a think uh, a thought of sort of buying the yarn last week that I did kind of have a bit of a moment and I had to lie down um, but it is just exquisite and like many things I can see that I'm just going to spend my time when I'm having bad times can't sleep I will be just flicking through um, this Rowan um, 48 to, to just console me in, in much the way that a child would look at a picture book it's just beautiful that, that is just lovely there are some lovely lovely things in there Rambler is a beautiful not a boat net jacket, sort of a scoop scoop net jumper with some cabling and textured sleeves, and it's just really really nice. Uh, not sure I know about Roma. That just that that just looks very weird. That's a very very wide cowl neck pulled down over the model's shoulders, and uh, sleeveless and um, slightly basket weave texture um, and shapeless. Not quite sure about that one. Um, and the stylist obviously was having a field day with um, the cables and the extra long scarf. The Wanderer scarf, which has the same pattern in it, cabling pattern in it, as the Wanderer shrug, um, is immense. I would say by looking at it, it's got to be 10 foot long, if not more. And the, the stylist has gone mad styling it over the girl while she's also wearing a Wayfarer wrap, which is other big fat cables from Cocoon. Um, but, you know, let's layer upon layer all these cables. Erica Knight did say that the big cables are the trend of the winter season. So, you know, who am I to disagree? But beautiful, beautiful, big textured things in there. Um, but I suspect that to look really good on them, you'd have to look slender. The next section is Russian Doll, which appeals to me delightfully because it's so colourful. But for some of this, the styling is a bit OTT for me because... The garments themselves have lots of colour in them and then they've been accessorised or put on model, um, clothes that the model's wearing that have also got big patterns and big colours and it's almost like it's fighting for your attention and I'm not necessarily sure that these garments should need to fight for your attention. I think Hoxton said something similar really that she felt it was a bit overstyled. Um, you know, they, they are beautiful garments with fabulous patterns and beautiful colours and kid silkora and felted tweed and it shouldn't need to compete. You know, there's one example here that uh, Polona, which is cast off DK and Amanda Crawford design, it's a colour work sleeveless vest with a big wide shawl collar 
um, and a trellis pattern in the colour work and it's been worn over, bearing in mind it's blues, it looks like lights and dark blues, it's been worn over a tartan, I can't work out if it's a shirt that she's just wearing as a dress or it's just a very short tartan dress and then the model's wearing stripy socks, um, thigh socks um, and fringed boots um, and her hair's all mussy which you know just annoy me, I just want to get to it with a brush you know, brush your hair, woman, brush your hair. And it's it's just it's all a bit, you know, it's a bit competitive, um, really, which is a shame because some of the designs in here are truly beautiful. But in some of the ways that I can drew many of, over many of the patterns in Nomad and, uh, and imagine myself in them, I can also do that here. Nonna is beautiful, cast off DK and pure wool DK, Erica Knight design, boat neck, Sleeve, long sleeve sort of fair isle inspired type patterns of colour work again possibly not if you're not slender uh, which is a shame um, we've then got a section about um, knitted jewellery um, from some students at Huddersfield University an at home with Martin story section which I haven't read yet but he sort of talks about some of his design ideas and inspiration and then here comes my favorite section which is the timeless section now i'm going to read this this is inspired by a renewed interest in investment dressing and brand loyalty timeless is essentially a plain story with the body silhouette clear, clearly defined with emphasis on shoulder and sleeve details stripes and understated vintage colors this is a collection of feminine charm for all the generations and that's what i like about this um set of patterns is the fact that actually there are women in their 20s, women in their 40s and 50s, and women in their 70s in this. Now, how often do we see pattern stories that span those? Normally, in the Rowan, much as I love them, they're on 20-somethings. Uh, and I'm finding it increasingly hard these days as I, as I move into my 40s to imagine myself wearing some of the things that a 20-year-old will wear. Because it's just not me anymore. And, and so I love this selection of garments because they are shown on a variety of different generations of women and it's just so lovely to see an older model um, with grey hair and with the lines of life on her face and still looking exquisitely beautiful. What I like about it as well is that um, there are variations of the same garment so there is um, I think it's Rowena, let me just see is it Rowena? Um, yeah, it's um, done with long ribbing in the sleeves and um, a deep ribbed, ribbed welt. Um, then Adrienne looks quite similar but is made in a um, slightly heavier weight yarn, I think. That's in Kid Classic. Um, but there's a long version and a cropped version. Yeah, that's right, because the Rowena is in Cash Soft 4 ply. Um, then there is Agatha. There is one version done in Kid Silk Haze, which is just beautiful and light and floaty and ethereal. And then there's another version done in the Pure Wool Four Ply, which is much more likely to be me. And it's just, it's just lovely. I, this is what, this is what Rowan's all about. And Patty, um, which is a stripy Kid Silk Haze um, sweater, very simple, raglan sleeves. Now someone's made that up um, at Fibre and Clay, and it's hanging up, and it is just. So eye-catching and so delightful and I just know that I would put it on and overheat in about five minutes flat because I, I really don't think I can wear that. Um, Ramona is um, 
very similar to Rowena. So there's sort of some of these basic shapes that are repeated um, over and over again with slight variations of. Um, it's not got the big um, puffy shoulder sleeves of Rowena. Rowena, I think, has got more fabric in the sleeves and there's pleating in the, the top of the shoulder, in the sleeve caps. But it's just really nice to see these and I'm just really impressed with that photocopy, so, uh, with that photo story. So I will love this book for the first two photo stories because they're beautiful to look at and for the third one because those are things that I think are, are actually possible to knit. The second review is the reprint of Alice Starmore's Aran Knitting. Uh, a new and expanded edition and it is just glorious um, as my mum said when she looked at it there are many wearable patterns in here it's published by Dover Publications was originally um, came out in 97 um, but this Dover edition is uh, new and expanded so it's got some of the patterns reworked for yarns that are now available and um, as I say some new designs but it's the wonderful section on the historical background of Aaron knitting that I found really, really interesting. Um, and then it's links to Celtic design um, and her Celtic work. And it's it's really, really interesting. I, I was reading it and there was um, a section here where she talks about how at the time when she wrote the first book, she was attempting to lay to rest um, some myths that um, had come to light. And one of her hypotheses that she made at the time is that, that she felt that looking at the example of the historical garments that she was looking at, um, that the initial impetus and inspiration for Aaron knitting probably came from a single talented knitter who was also a skilled dressmaker. And she still clearly states that this is an educated guess, although what is not a guess is the fact that a general Aaron knitting free-for-all followed the first Eureka moment of that garment. Um, and people have found that very difficult to to accept that they, it could possibly come from one knitter. Um, no, 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 this must be a grand tradition that stretches back many, 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 many years. Whereas Alice Starmore is, is sort of reasonably confident that the, the technical and conceptual basis for Aaron knitting patterns was present in part of daily life on the Isles of Aaron by 1910 and didn't come from anywhere more exotic than the British coastline. It was developed from the Scottish Fisher Gansey, which you can tell from looking at various historical garments in various national collections. But that this idea that it came from one knitter was very hard apparently for people to take and they just refused to believe it. Now I think that's really interesting because if you've read the Selby Votter book about um, the Norwegian style then it's very obvious that that entire design ethic and case came from one person um, in the town of Selby at one point in time. So why can't the roots of our knitting come from that. So I was quite interested in that. So I found it an absolutely fascinating read before I'd even got on to looking at the patterns. Um, and the patterns are just delightful. I love them. Um, I just, again, I'm drooling over them and I want to be able to take some kind of speed pill to be able to knit fast and precisely and exquisitely and then be able to 
you know, produce these garments. There are actually many um, sections before you, between the historical bit and the actual patterns, where she takes you through a whole range of different styles of cabling that you can find in these, so that you have got the skills, if you so wish, to design your own, um, and advice on how to experiment and what to look for when you're adding texture um, or if you're looking for geometric variations um, within or open work patterns or slip stitch patterns or and it's just delightful but anyway there are many gorgeous patterns um, Aaron Moore which is her version of the quintessential Aaron sweater it's uh, it's an Aaron weight yarn um, it's got lots of interweave cabling going up the side cabling down into the ribbing, a simple roll neck and a panel with some looks like some open work on the front. It's just it's, it's just lovely. It's just I could I could drool all day. Kaleni, which is um moss stitch diamonds, waving cables and little honeycomb um to make a little child sized Aaron sweater. Now again apologies for my Gallic pronunciation. Nakraga, that's the Aaron name um for the limestone stone rockscape on the Isles of Arran and again this is beautiful lots of honeycomb stitch and some geometric cabling and in this new version um, she's added two additional smaller sizes um, and she says it's an ideal project for a, a beginner um, at cabling uh, and it's quite funny because my mum did ask me if I thought I had the skills to be able to make um, Isla Van when I showed it to her and I looked at her and I thought well that's really interesting because yes I do it's just it's just knits and pearls, isn't it? You just jiggle the order of the stitches around, really. And she seemed to think that I should... She thought, I think, that I would be overawed by it. And I'm not, actually. I'm not overawed by cabling at all. It's more that it is an investment of time and I wouldn't want to muck it up with my finishing. Uh, Fulmar, a lovely um, garment here again with lots of nautical motifs. It's sort of, uh, you know, lots of ropes and braids and chains you know, a few more hats. Irish moss, which is very fine um, work here, which I think is done in um, her Hebridean three-ply, so that's quite a fine white yarn. Um, lots of sort of waving, um, delicate curvy lines in that, and that's beautiful. Maiden hair, which is really nice. Some open work in it, that can be a cardigan or a shawl. She's got the patterns for both of those in there. And then chapter four is the Celtic designs, which is where you get these inter interlinked enclosed cables with no beginning and no end and that the inspiration of these is from all the Celtic stonework and the Book of Kells and, and things like that. So St Ender is um, a beautiful one with some repeating knotwork patterns with some honeycomb stitch panels in between, um, saddle shoulders, St Bridget, just fabulous knotwork panels with, uh, you know, they're so dramatic, these big knotwork panels going up the middle and then a, a plaited braid up either side. And, you know, you put your finger on any one of those um, lines within that knotwork panel and you will follow the entire line back round to where you came from. It's just stunning. Um, it, I just want to make them all. I want to make them all now. Now. Um... Uh, St. Kieran um, has knotwork ideas and that's a big shawl um, with some really big ideas in it. Uh, again, absolutely exquisite. Boudicca's Braid, which is a jacket with a, a, a simple um, collar. And it's done, I think it's in um, 
it's some kind of um, moss stitch pattern and then it's got thin braids over the top but all of the braids are done in a separate colour from the background so they all stand out. Um, the example that's here is kind of a mossy background colour and then um, a dark blue and a, a kind of almost loden green um, and then little coloured knots in between the enclosed loops within it. Now we were having a look at this garment on the, the course and it was really interesting when we looked at the back of it we were quite surprised. Um, each of the little pieces was a knot uh, was knotted at the back and, and when we asked her about it she said well it's nice and tight it's a reef knot it won't come undone it's snipped close and quite frankly it's only really a knot on the front so it's certainly not going to be much more than a knot on the back and I don't see much point in trying to weave all those ends in um, when you'll make more of a mess than if you just tied it neatly with a small knot which is a bit of a revelation but it's stunning I, I'm not so sure that I necessarily want to make Boudicca's braid it's not something that particularly appeals to me that two colour work within the, the braid but then we get to the last one, um, Isla Van, which is just delightful. It's absolutely stunning. Um, again, like I say, with these Celtic knotwork panels that have got all the shaping incorporated into it. And it is just um, exquisite. So, And then the final chapter is how to go about designing your own um, so that you can take lots of the ideas that you would see within the book and, and apply it to your own design, which is pretty phenomenal really, isn't it? So if you've ever thought about embarking on Aaron Knitting, you would do far worse than to get this book. I do think it is, it's just gorgeous. Virtually every design in there is just one that I would make and wear. And I just love the historical information and the research in it. I um, just really, really like it. So that's um, Aaron Knitting by Alice Starmore. Um, some upcoming events now. Looking at the 30th of October, we have Fibre Flurry in Birmingham, which I've mentioned before. Um, there are some workshops and a marketplace. We've got um, Debbie Bliss that same week on the Tuesday, I think, the 26th, 30th, 28th, yeah, 26th, coming to do a trunk show at Fibre and Clay in the morning. There, I'm sort of working backwards from these. I think it's on the 22nd. Let me see if I can just find for you. I've got to check the dates. We've got the St Mungo's Hat for Homelessness Day coming up, which is in October. So if I can just find the date for you, I'm just searching now because I thought I'd written it down in my notes and I haven't. Uh, St Mungo's, St Mungo's, St Mungo's, St Mungo's. Come on. Oh, goodness me. Right. Oh, maybe that's because I've got an H in the middle of Saint. That would uh, that would help if I got rid of that, wouldn't it? Woolly Hat Day. Here we go. Um, that's Friday the 22nd of October. So, Samungos, if you're not aware of it, is a charitable organisation that is all about opening doors for homeless people. So, it's providing support for them in various different aspects, be that a shelter, be that... Um, food, be that support and education, helping to get people um, off the streets, based largely in London, although not totally exclusively. And they're having their first ever Woolly Hat Day um, to raise money to help homeless people change their lives for good. So lots of comedians have got involved in it. And what they're asking is that you're as creative as you can be um, to show your support for the day. So it could be that you wear a hat 
and donate £2 towards St Mungo's or you get sponsored to wear a silly hat or you incorporate a hat in any way that you choose to fundraise. All of the details can be found on their website which is www.mungos.org so that's M-U-N-G-O-S dot org and um, they're sort of really... I, I think they're an amazing charity. I have heard of them um, quite a lot because they are very much involved in trying to come up with meaningful and useful solutions to um, homeless people's problems, not just a case of, of baying, uh, as many do, sadly, that uh, we should just get homeless off the streets. You know, they're trying to actually address the problems that cause people to become homeless in the first place, which is the only way that you're actually going to get that dealt with is to try and stop people ending up falling into the the patterns of behavior that end up with them um, having to sleep out on the streets. So that's Friday the 22nd of October. The Saturday before that, which I think if my calculations are right, is Saturday the 16th, is the Cheshire Spinners, Weavers and Dyers Guild's Friendship Day, um, where members of um, other guilds in the area come along for the day, and uh, we've got P&M Woolcraft at the shop. Uh, at the, the venue and uh, very nice lunches that uh, all the members have got involved in. That's at uh, from 10 till 4 at Frodsham Community Centre at Frodsham. Um, so if you are a member of a local guild, you know, please come along. It would be lovely um, to see you all. And I was also asked um, by a listener, Just Ali, if um, I could do an announcement on their knitting holiday weekend. Um, it's taking place from the 5th to the 7th of November at Dunster in West Somerset. And Ali is actually one of the, the tutors. She was the, the chair, I think, of the local guild when it was organised, although she isn't now. Um, it's £150 for this, and it includes full board at the Yarn Market Hotel um, and also includes yarn and patterns. It's uh, there are workshops on illusion knitting, log cabin blankets, and crocheting string bags. Uh, and she very sweetly said, I hope I'm not overstepping the mark um, asking you about it. Well, I thought, well, no, course not, you know, unless you ask, you never get anything, do you? So that's, um, that's taking place from the 5th to the 7th of November. I'm just searching here. I have made a note somewhere of the um, there we are. It's on. Um, the, the website is um, www.yarnmarkethotel.co.uk slash knitting hyphen crochet.htm. I will put the link in the show notes. And um, there's a hotel phone number. It's 01643 821 425. So I've got no idea uh, how many that's aimed at. I um, did look on the website, but I'm afraid to say I've completely forgotten and not made any notes. But Ali did contact me and ask if there was any chance that I could mention it, and I have. So I hope um, that they have a tremendous weekend. Really looking forward to, to hearing some feedback from that. And if you do, if you go, please, you know, let us know, and we'll, uh, you know, you could even send me a little audio file. You know, if you've got an iPhone, send me a voice memo. You know, we could uh, maybe include a little bit of uh, listener audio in there. So to finish off, I did mention that I've been reading um, Discover the Joys of the Novel again, and that was one of the reasons why I wasn't um, knitting as much this past month. And so I've 
come on to the something I really like section and the something I really like and I'd forgotten how much I really like them are the novels by Jasper Ford now if you've never heard of him you are missing out but I will put a caveat on it is that you do have to have a particularly silly sense of humor and you have to be able to cope with parallel universes that are similar but not quite the same as ours um, his first books were part of the Thursday net so goodness me I can't even speak Thursday next set um, I think there's actually there's going to be eight of them since I noticed on the website it said the Thursday next octology so I'm guessing that means there are eight you know a bit like a trilogy's got four um, five of them have been published the very first one was called The Air Affair. Now, just to give a little bit of a background, Thursday Next is a literary detective. She lives in Swindon, but it's not Swindon as you or I may know it if we've ever been. The Crimea War is still raging in 1984. The, the, her mother's garden is frequently trashed um, by the migrating mammoths that have been re-engineered by the Goliath Corporation and Thursday herself re-engineered her own pet dodo, Pickwick, who lives with her. She's a literary detective, so that means that she is responsible for dealing with scams from people who are absolutely adamant that they have found Shakespeare's lost Cardinio play and finds herself caught up in an amazing battle of wits with an arch enemy. Um, that involves her going into the wonderfully timeless story of Jane Eyre because Jane Eyre herself has been kidnapped and of course without Jane since it's a first person narrative there is no story so the Eyre affair deals with how she deals with her arch nemesis and rescues Jane and sorts out the ending to make it far better than the one that's already there, which is, of course, that Jane goes off to India with Sinjin, although she refuses to marry him. What, I hear you cry? Well, in Thursday, Swindon, that's what the original ending is. But the outcome that Thursday ends up engineering is far more to everybody's taste. If you have no idea what I'm talking about and think I've completely lost the plot, um, then I would urge you to get yourself to a library or um, down to a, a second-hand bookstore, or anywhere where you can find and lay your hands on these and give them a go. Um, they're probably going to appeal to people who like Terry Pratchett um, because of those parallel-type world um, situations. There are lots of jokes based about literature, but you don't have to get them to enjoy the story. Because um, my husband has read... Um, just before, and he doesn't get a lot of the literary jo literary jokes, but he does understand the main thrust of the story. So you know he's there with it. Um, the five books published so far in the Thursday Next series are The Air Affair, Lost in a Good Book, The Well of Lost Pots, Plots, sorry, <laughs> Something Rotten, and First Among Sequels. And the next one is slated for publication in spring of next year. Um, one of our Thursdays is missing. He has also written two books in the nursery crime series, um, The Big Over Easy and The Fourth Bear. Um, again, a parallel universe, this time Reading. And uh, 
Jack Spratt is the detective that has to deal with um, all of the crime in his area, which seems to be taking uh, an awful lot of um, turns around nursery rhymes. So lots of wordplay and uh, funny images there. And uh, the, his newest book is actually called Shades of Grey, which I haven't read yet, which is all about, again, an alternative um, reality. This time, though, set in the future um, that seems to be very much based on colours, but I haven't read that yet. Um, but uh, they just tickle me. I absolutely love them, and I'd forgotten how much I loved them until I began to reread them um, at the end of the holidays. So that's something I really like. The books of the Thursday Next series by Jasper Ford, but in fact, the nursery crime ones are just as good as well. So that's me for the end of this episode, and uh, I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening. Um, as ever, if you'd like to leave a comment, please do so. Um, on the Podbean site, www.yarnsfromtheplane.podbean.com, um, or on the Blogspot site, come over and um, leave a comment on the group on Ravelry, um, the Yarns from the Plane group. Um, drop me an email at yarnsfromtheplane at googlemail.com. Um, or PM me on Rav where I am Tales from the Plane. I do tweet um, sporadically and not often about knitting, um, but I'm Tales from Plane on Twitter if you're interested. Until next time, take care. Bye bye. You've been listening to Yarns from the Plane. Show notes and links are available at the Yarns from the Plane show page at yarnsfromtheplane.podbean.com. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave a comment over there on the show page, or you can email me at yarnsfromtheplane at googlemail.com, or message me on Ravelry, where I'm Tales from the Plane. Until next time, take care, and thanks for listening. <laughs>